0: the song means only one thing
1: hello oh, I, I, usually there's like a point or something i no. i was i mean that was uh started over yeah. okay re the show
0: and the song only means one thing hello <laughs>
1: all,
0: all that preparation ken right so out much the better Dang. Yeah, that's, that's why we
1: have practice. You know, training camp. You know, that first one was training camp. Now I'm ready for the regular season, which is just around the corner in two months. So Ken Bolkey, our guest. Stevie
0: Slapshot filling in for uh, Brian Blessing today and tomorrow. Uh, Mike Lewis will be our guest tomorrow on the Vegas Hockey Hotline. And then Brian will be back with you on Monday here on AM 1400 KSHP. Uh, we're going to get into, by the way, my neighbor Chet absolutely loves you. I feel bad for him. We all do. My house, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of lucky here. crossing my fingers on I get the house I want, but I'm, I'm selling my house because the price is Uh-oh. right to do so.
1: Because of Chet? No. Oh.
0: Chet would like you to move in next door, though. Where are we? This is Northwest um, um, Providence area. Oh, That
1: seems like too far away. Is, I live it, across the street from City National. So, well, then that's out. I don't think that's going to be horribly likely. My neighbor just moved, though. If Chet wants to move across the street from me, okay,
0: there you go, Chet. We we got a house available for you. You can live next door to Ken, and you guys could have conversations all day there long. There you
1: go. Ken, Ken's up. Send for me that. a DM. I'll send him some Sinbin stickers. There
0: you go. But but speaking of which, Sinbin Vegas is where you'll find Ken and his uh, partner, who was just with us yesterday, Jason Pothier. Tell me all about this bin ball. I, yeah. I, well, what is it? How do you sign up? I know best. it supports a worthy cause. I'm not. Sure, I forget what the cause is.
1: Big brothers, big sisters, Southern Nevada. So bin ball. Uh, so I'll I'll give you kind of the the longer history of bin ball. Okay. So when I was a kid, growing up in uh, southwest suburbs of. Illinois, okay. Chicago, basically. Okay. Um, there, was, there was a kid who passed away in a car crash like when he was probably in like a freshman in co- or high school or so. Okay. And so they started this thing. His name was Richie. They started this thing called Richie Ball. Okay. And what it was was they would put um, trash cans, those big metal trash cans, about 25, 30 yards apart, and you threw a softball from one side to the other. How far away? Thirty yards, yeah, about thirty yards. Okay, like, yeah, okay. 30 yards. okay. Um, and so you, it was like you know cornhole. You each team okay. stood, and you threw it, and it one ball in in the the garbage can won the game. Okay. That was it. Okay, and it started with probably sixteen teams, and by the time I was in high school, it was about one hundred and twenty eight teams. The thing was a huge event. They raised like fifty grand a year for you know. It was, it was, I think they were doing it for like drunk driving type thing. Okay. And I kept, and I could never play because I couldn't get registered because there were, there were too many teams. Okay. So I couldn't get in. So I've always said, I want to do something like that. All right. And so I've told that story before and, um, then we, you know, we partnered up with Big Brothers Big Sisters, and you know, because they, they kind of came to me and were they were like, "Hey, we love the idea. We want to do it. We want to help you make it happen. Let's make it happen." So we we had to come up with a game because we're not going to play Richie Ball because I can't just steal that. So we came up with a game which is basically a cross between cornhole and beer pong. Right. We throw ping pong balls about twenty feet. Okay. Up onto a board that has a cutout of the letter of uh, a B and then an I and then a BN and bin ball, it got, says. Got it. And you have to get it into the hole, and if you get it in three times, you win. Okay. And we do a double elimination tournament. There's a giant bracket. My wife man's the bracket, the bracket lady. Okay. You get to put your sticker up on the bracket when you win, you qualify through. Uh the grand prize this year is dinner at player's locker with Derek Englund. Wow. Which is pretty cool yeah, and two cool. Derek Englund jerseys that he can sign and then we're uh show we're, we're showing off the bin ball trophy this year and we're hoping to raise about 20 grand this year. Oh, well, that's fantastic. We've got about 15 last year. I I'm, I'm, I like where we're headed. Uh there's about there's about twenty teams available at the moment, so we're filling up. Okay, we're not at the Richie Ball level where like I can't get somebody in. All right, but if you want to play bbsn dot org slash binball, or just go to our Twitter, it's uh, well, it's not pinned to our Twitter, but I'm going to pin it to my Twitter literally right now.
0: Okay, and what is the fee for signing up? It's a hundred
1: dollars for a team of two, and a hundred percent goes to charity. That's beautiful and if that fee is too high if you're like i can't you know do that but i want to play direct message me we want people to play we'll make it work we'll find a way Obviously, we would prefer to have sixty-four teams to pay a hundred dollars. Right, that gets us six grand. That's what we're hoping for. But we we want people to play. We want people to be a part of it. You know, there's more going on. There's there's auctions and raffles and good stuff that go on. It's at the space. It's on September fourth. We start in the about eleven o'clock in the morning, and we usually the championship ends at around three thirty. And trust me. whether the game sound like, no matter what you think of, like, I'm not athletic or I, you know, whatever, the 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 motto of binball is everyone can play, no one is good.
0: Yeah. I've, I've played cornhole. You do not have to be athletic because I'm able to play. No, and this yeah.
1: is even less than that because at least that you're throwing a bag. Mm-hmm. This is a ping pong ball. No one's really good at throwing ping pong balls 20 feet into holes that are about the size of a cup.
0: Right. gotcha. And, and the first guy that gets
1: three in, that side wins? It's a team of two. Okay. It's a team of two. So you rotate, you go back and forth, one, okay. one, 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 and then you switch your teammate with your teammate. Got you each it. throw five. Uh, and, yeah, it's the first team to get three wins or okay. in a 10-minute time limit. Uh, if you're winning at the end of 10 minutes, you win. All right. And then there's also a tiebreaker, which is awesome, because then all you have to do is hit the board and you get a point, and it's it gets pretty intense. Trust yeah. me, it's fun.
0: And, and and Abby is the Vanna White of yes. pinball. Yes,
1: Abby runs the bracket, and she is like obsessive about the bracket, and it's <laughs> awesome because it's a double elimination bracket. And if you've ever if you've never seen a sixty four team double elimination bracket, it's the coolest thing ever. Right. There's teams all over the place. All right. You know, you're up here, you're over here, you're jumping over here. You, if you if you get eliminated early, like we had one team that got eliminated on their first game. Went down to this, the the losers bracket, okay. won like seven straight, wow. got back up to the winners bracket, and played a team that's only won four. Okay, because they lost early, right? And then they 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 blew it. Uh, that 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 was a good team. We're hoping they come back. I heard one of the players in that team. Uh, moved to Texas, so he's going to have to come back. I've already texted him.
0: It sounds like a scenario where you need someone obsessive about the bracket.
1: Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, we got there's stickers, and you put them up there, and then we've got the screens that show which game is up, and you know which game number you have next. And we have food. Uh, graffiti Bow is going to be there this year from... From If you've been to T-Mobile, there's I, some of that stuff, so that's going to be fun. I
0: have been. I've not eaten there. Um, or pina and, and nachos. Saying that,
1: And again, 100%. All of it. We don't take a dime. Goes to Big Brothers 100%. Big yeah, we literally... The space doesn't take a dollar. We don't take a dollar. No one takes anything. Every single dollar you give to Binball goes to Big Brothers Big Sisters, and they have had a rough 18 months. Right, makes sense. This last sure, 18 sure. months has been awful for them. So this is huge for them. We're hoping to you know deliver pretty well for them.
0: All right, cool. All right, so again, Sinbin.Vegas uh, to get more information and or to sign up. And again, uh, Ken's pinning that right now to their Twitter at um, Sinbin.
1: You think I would have already done that? Like as someone who's basically his entire business is running a Twitter, mm-hmm. you think when you have something important, you would have known yeah but, but I didn't you, have, that, you,
0: you, know. have, you got you have a lot of things going on yeah I
1: mean there's a yeah, lot of no. nft horses and we, now chickens yeah. I'm racing you're,
0: I'm sorry you're racing yeah chickens. well
1: the chickens actually haven't hit the track yet okay uh, that's still in in beta. <laughs> We're still working on getting there. Uh, I own fourteen chickens, so we'll we'll get there. I'm planning on buying ten more next Friday.
0: No, racing how? They're running or? Oh like- yeah,
1: they run. And uh, unlike the horses, which just run in a straight line, yeah. the chickens have talents. So like sometimes the chicken will pull out a gun and shoot the other chickens, or there's one that like gets on a catapult and it catapults them forward. Uh, there's one that actually uh, called Devolution, which turns into a, a dinosaur, and the chicken runs real fast as a dinosaur. The game doesn't actually exist yet, but I own 14 chickens for when it does.
0: All right, That's, those are chickens I have. I, my, my sister has a small farm up in Oregon. I know of. Actual oh, these are by chickens. no means real. Yeah, the, these yeah. Don't, the, none of my sister's chickens have ever pulled out a gun on. No,
1: them, so. well, I only have one that has that capability. Okay
0: all right uh let's get into some hockey can you Wanna? what is that nah, all right now first up i since brian's not here he, he's he's got an issue with me on on this jack eichel possibility uh, of coming here which probably is is getting less with each passing moment although for all we know uh mccrimmon could be talking to buffalo from his uh lakeside cabin uh north of the border right now um Brian seems to focus on that I don't want to give up Krebs. It's not just that. That's part of my issue yep. with this deal. It's, it, for me, it's all of it. It's, it's what you actually do have to give up. It's not just Krebs. You're, you're probably giving up Tuck and maybe a March or so and, right. and maybe a draft pick, right. something like that. That's a lot to give up. All right. The, then you're bringing a guy in who's got a $10 million contract so now you've given all that up, and you're paying this guy $10 million a year. And oh, by the way, this guy has a neck issue. Yeah. So, so for all of those reasons, I don't want Eichel. I, I would have rather, if, and, and obviously this didn't work out, I would have rather gone after Reinhardt. Because you're paying him less, you don't have to give him as much, and he's not injured.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of on the same page as you. The reason, my main reason for not being on that page is just how good Jack Eichel can be. Mm-hmm. When healthy, he's well worth ten million dollars. Like, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of times. I guess maybe the playoffs sometimes, but for the most part, n- Mark Stone. I'm like, well, I don't mind paying Mark Stone nine and a right. half. He's right. pretty darn good. Right. Getting another one of those guys would be great. I'm with you on the cost of what it takes to get him. I'm with you on the cost of what it takes against the cap. I'm certainly with you on the neck issue. I don't know what's going to happen there. I had some information a while back that Perron was potentially a neck I- issue, which is why they didn't want to stick with him. Okay. I don't know if that went, that actually is the main reason or not, but I, there is a history of neck issues in the Golden Knights and them being cautious okay. from what I understand. Okay if that portion of information was true. Um, so, to me, the biggest thing and maybe the best reason to make an argument for Jack Eichel is that this team, currently, con- as currently constructed, probably isn't good enough. Okay. So, if it's not good enough, something has to happen, and that would be a something. I'm just... It's a lot. You're definitely going to be without Tuck for a little while. You're probably parting ways with at least one of your top six, if not two. So you're basically down three of your top seven forwards. And he's, Eichel, is probably not playing until December, January maybe. You're putting yourself behind the eight ball here in in a way in which I don't think that's enough to knock them out of the playoffs. But... One injury for a month could could kind of derail you, and that that makes me a little nervous. The other
0: issue that I would have with bringing Eichel here, and and again, what you're moving out. It, it feels like the Knights are now getting. If if that were to happen, the Knights would feel to me like they're getting top heavy, like, like a Boston. Although Boston oh, yeah, corrected somewhere
1: for sure. All right, so But it would be even more so. Yeah, so, they would be similar to Toronto at that point. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah.
0: And and Toronto's playoff history has not been good lately.
1: No, but the Golden Knights has in better than Toronto.
0: Right, but I but I think that's, and and I know that the depth is not where we want it with the VGK. But I think I think they have better depth than Toronto. Through
1: the lineup? Um, this year, probably. I'm not so sure I would have said that last year. All right. The I defense that, is definitely I better I think that's here. the biggest difference is that there's more of a commitment to defending, and that's from organizational level down to even how each guy plays. There's more of a commitment to a 200-foot style of player. That leads you to a different path. I think that leads you to be able to advance in the postseason, but not get over all the way over the hump. You need it all. And what they've done to this point, I'm not sure, solves one of their biggest issues, and that's the ability to score from the center position. Right. Or at least to have more than just Carlson and Stevenson in there. And I'm again I'm not a huge Stevenson's a number one center guy. Like I think he can play that role in between Stone and Patcharetti well. I think he's a good fit there, but that does lead you to have a situation where you should be able to pay someone else to drive a line themselves. If you don't need a line driver for Stone and Pacioretty, fine. Let's find a line driver for Tuck. Let's find a line driver for Dadenoff or even Smith, Carlson, Marshall, you know those guys.
0: Is that ever going to happen here, though? Ken, I, I'd like to see that. You'd like to see it. I think a lot of people that cover the Knights would like to see that. McPhee has never been a believer. No, in, in that we we saw that in Washington.
1: But at some point, they are believers in fixing holes. There was a time there for a while that we were screaming, "You need another defenseman! You need another defenseman!" And they eventually went out and got Alec Martinez. Mm -hmm. Um, You need more, you know. You, I don't think most people were screaming, "You need more grit or you know mean guys," but they went out and they got themselves Ryan Reeves. They got themselves Tomáš Tatar at that deadline to kind of help maybe the scoring issue. You know, I don't really think it was an issue that year, but it was another supplement to the team. Eventually, if things go down the same path, I think they're going to have to look in the mirror and say, well, that's the missing piece. Yeah. Why they don't see it now. I'm not really sure.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, on Martinez was, was that because the public was, you know, screaming at them to, to, to fix that. Or did I always felt like the Boer was a part of that. Like he liked Martinez and wanted to bring him here.
1: Well, he actually came in before, right? Did Did Martinez come before De Boer? That was close. I thought it was after. Yeah, you might but, be right. You might be right. Yeah, yeah. You think you're right? It was after, but like I think that was one. They they had a weird plan that off season, and it's a plan that almost I feel like they almost showed their cards a little early here. I've done this in fantasy baseball. I played in a fantasy baseball league, and their minimum innings pitched per week was five you had to reach five that's nothing but of their seven pitching categories five of them you could win with relievers so only relievers so i bought a bunch of starters and then sold them off for hitters and then only had the best relievers okay well, unfortunately, my, my, my hitters weren't good that year, but I showed the strategy of how to make this work. Okay. The league has since changed it to the minimum. is now 20.
0: Okay, makes more sense.
1: My point is I showed my cards when I wasn't ready to win. Gotcha. I should have waited until I had the elite team. I think the Golden Knights are in that position here. That season, year three, they sold off Gusev, Miller, and Halla, mm-hmm. and they only brought in Nick Wah. But what they also did was they also were under the salary cap. They were moving Nick Haig and Nick Wah back and forth. Uh, Glass was going back and forth. They were saving money all the way along the way. And then they got to the deadline and they were able to buy Alec Martinez, buy Nick Cousins, and buy Robin Leonard. And when the playoffs came around, they were $4, $5, 6000000 million over the cap. Gotcha. right? And they had a darn good team. Didn't work out. Pandemic got in the way. I don't think that helped. I'm still of the belief that this is the team that should be going into the deadline with massive amounts of space. Okay. And then you buy up players at the deadline with all this bonus space. If you go into the deadline to $5 million in cap space, you've really got 20. Gotcha. You've got four times because that's the way the cap is currently constructed. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. Plus, you can buy off salary from teams easier at the deadline than at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. They're only buying off one-fourth of the guy's contract and you're only asking them to buy a quarter of that one-fourth.
0: I'm, I'm, that's I'm math. You. I'm with you because so, I, I wish last year they'd have had that spot and be able to get a guy like a Palmieri. Now, who, who knows if he'd have done anything here, but well, that you look kind of guy.
1: Right, but you look at how tight they were up against the cap and what it caused them to have to pay for Matias Mark. Right. It was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot to pay for him. Yeah. And that's because they had to funnel him through two teams to get his cap number down to, it was like $90,000 that the Golden Knights were paying him. Right. I think they're in a position now where they've suddenly used up this $5 million of cap space on Evgeny Dadenoff, and, I'm not saying I don't like Evgeny Dadanoff I think he's a good fit. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a good player. I like the player. My point is, you could have bought yourself two Evgeny Dadanoffs at the deadline or three Evgeny Dadanoffs yeah. And they showed this style. We learned about this style from them showing it two years ago. To then not lean back on it is weird to me.
0: Yeah, and and I, do you think that now the 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 injury just kind of fell in Tampa Bay's lap to a degree, but do you think Tampa Bay saw that and said, "Hey,
1: we can take advantage of this"? I think they. I think it's been fairly known for a while that that LTIR loophole is one that teams are going to be able to take advantage of. Um, I think that they were kind of presented with the opportunity in many ways. Season ran a little bit long the first year. They won the cup. Then they were told this guy's got to have surgery. The timeline is actually close to the end of the season. I think you're presented with that opportunity where you end up with a board meeting and you're like, well, wait a minute. What if we extend this out three weeks and then we don't have to trade Tyler Johnson? Right. You know, what What? What if we go down that road? What's going to happen? Well, we don't have Kucherov for the entire season and we're definitely not going to have him no matter what for the entire season. It's like, Yeah, that's risky. As far as doing that with Tuck, I just don't think it's horribly likely that the Golden Knights go down that path because of the announced length of time that he was supposed to be out. Right. If they had pushed that back and said it's going to be closer to March, now we can be talking. But this is supposed to be mid-January. To now push that an extra three months is a long time. It is. And then I also think Tuck's not Kucherov. He's not. You know, he's not. I'm not sure what Tuck you get after nine months off.
0: Right. Right. No, that's fair.
1: And they didn't know what Kucherov they were going to get, but they did know we're good enough anyway.
0: I agree with you that ha- having having some space at, at the trade deadline is is a really good thing. What what? How does Riley Smith play into this? Do you do you think that they extend him? Or do you think they're looking to move him at the deadline? Or do you think it depends on how he plays uh, until we get to the
1: deadline? I mean, Riley Smith's going to be Riley Smith. Whether the numbers are there or not, the way Riley Smith plays, you're going to pretty much walk out of every game saying, I want that guy on my team. Right. It's not to say that I'm expecting him to get 70 points or anything. If he does, awesome. Right. But you want... Riley Smith. So I don't think the play on the ice is going to change any course of direction on where they're headed with him. I think it's going to be more where they're at, what they need at that moment. If they if they're a team that looks like they're lacking scoring and he's not putting up the numbers, maybe you see a one for one flip or something where Mm -hmm. they bring somebody else in. Otherwise. It wouldn't shock me if they just play the own rental game and they say, well, that's who we're buying at the deadline. We're just not getting rid of Riley Smith and, and Braden McNabb.
0: Yeah, I, I, Riley Smith's a guy, I love his play. Again, he doesn't score enough. It, it's the same thing with the anmark. I love the way the guy yeah. plays. He doesn't score yeah. enough.
1: It's, it is um, something that they seem to value, that 200-foot player yeah. that's not really scoring, is not really what drives their game right and that's fine if you have bundles of guys around them that Correct. can do it and they don't really value that player either now Dadenoff is kind of a little bit of a departure in that direction mm-hmm. so maybe that does help
0: i hope so i, I just i i, I love 200 foot players I, I love the the players on the team i like watching them play You've got to score more. Yeah. Like,
1: I mean, that's no secret. I, I, think, I think I'm think i more of the, like, I want a 200-foot center. I love the William Carlson's, and, yeah. and like I like that type of player, mm-hmm. but you have to pair that guy with scores. And pairing him with one and then another 200-foot player, like that's not really the line that we came to love in that first year, Correct. and I'm still not really sure how that happened.
0: Yeah, nor am I. I just, I don't know. Magic in a bottle, right, for one like, year for, for Wild Bill.
1: Yeah, but in in a weird way, though, like, Carlson's very good. He is. There's no reason to want to get rid of Carlson. I don't think he's overpaid. I don't think he underproduces. I would very rarely do I come out of a game saying I need more out of William Carlson. Yeah. So in that respect, it's like, is it Smith's fault? Is it Martius fault that they're not scoring? I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know
1: either. Is it the system?
0: That's a good question.
1: Because they were much better under Gallant. They were. And he would take them apart from time to time to try other things and inevitably put them back together. But, like, that line was dangerous in that Sharks series in year two. They'd they were. had a tough start to year three, as did pretty much everybody. And then that's that brings up the other topic, which is panic, And how the Golden Knights tend to panic. If this season doesn't go as swimmingly as it's expected to, and it probably won't because that's hockey. I don't know how or who's going to get in the way or why it would happen. But they had a tough start to year three. They had the 20-game suspension for Schmidt and then struggled at different times in year two. They finished third place in year two. If they don't win the division and they don't run away with this thing with 110 points, what are we talking about at the deadline? Are we looking at panic? Are we looking at changing somebody on D, changing the, you know, something in the top 6? I don't know.
0: You're right. I every year going after the top guy all screams to me in panic. Now look, I I like Pacioretty at the time. I like Picking Up Stone at the time. The first one that I, that I don't really get is Petrangelo. Yeah. Petrangelo was the best player uh, against Montreal in that series. That, yeah. that, that's fine. That wasn't the ad I wanted to
1: see them make at that time. Well, and he was, he was the best player, but Theodore wasn't. Correct. And last year in the postseason, Theodore was the best player. Yes. Are, can those coexist? Can they both be the best player at the same time? History tells us probably not. Correct. You know Burns and Carlson tell us probably not. Yeah. So I I don't that that one. It's a tough one because that was one where then you end up sending Stastny away, and it's hard to look at Stastny and be like, well, they have to have Stastny back. But he was definitely better than any other center you had in that lower lower line position. Yeah, you
0: know, yeah. no, that's true. I I didn't mind losing stats. It's just I I would rather have Theodore feeling more confident in his play, and and Schmidt still here, assuming, and and I I'd like to see Schmidt get back to what he was right, in, right. in Winnipeg. I think he can. I, I think Vancouver was just a mess last year. I agree. Year. So so I think I think Schmidt would still be Schmidt. Have him here, Theodore, you know, continuing to blossom, progress, right? right. right? Trend and, upwards. And, yeah. and, and, and 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 no Petrangelo. I I would rather have that.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that. I mean, looking at what happened over the course of the season, Petrangelo wasn't all that good for most of the season. He yeah. was in the postseason. But again, I think it came at the expense of Shea. Yes. And and as Petrangelo gets older. He's probably going to hand more of that responsibility back to Shea, and I just don't think it's as much of an ad as it seems like on paper.
0: Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't feel comfortable. There doesn't seem. But before Petrangelo got here, it, it felt like Theodore was getting more and more confident. Yep. Well, we saw the bubble, right? Yep. And and he he has this ability. He on either breakouts or or on the power play. Get inside the first guy. Now it's five on four, even yep. if you're not on the yep. power play, and and now he's open in the high slot area, right? Which which, which he can he can score goals from there. Or now if, if if it forces the defense to move right, so now if a defense uh, player comes off of his guy, now Shea can make that pass, and and you've got a wide open right. guy in
1: a, in a scoring right. line. I completely agree, and like we didn't see a lot of that in the postseason. No, we saw none of that, and I think that. I just have a hard time putting that on Shea. I lean more towards that was told. Don't make that risk. Right. We are not going to give up goals if we don't take that risk. Yeah. They they did not play a risky style at any point during the postseason. No, nope. they allowed the other team to to kind of play into their hands. Colorado did it. Montreal did not.
0: Right. And and, and it, it makes no sense from the point of your defense is so good. You've got two excellent at, at that time, you had two excellent goaltenders and, and martinez blocking all those shots. White Cloud
1: Haig played well. Done it. That's a team that should take risks. They've right. got Correct. the back end covered. Correct. And that that is one piece that never it almost like was a two sides pulling against each other that I don't fully understand how they didn't recognize that that was going to be a problem. It's like why are we paying all this for defense or for goalies and then we're putting out a team that doesn't allow shots? Right. Which is a very backward style which which it it, it it always reminds me of Grant Fuhrer. Okay. So like Grant Fuhrer was one of the better goalies ever. Yes. But If you look at his stats, they're atrocious. Because what happened was the 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 Oilers knew we don't need to worry about what happens back there. If we give up six breakaways and we get six breakaways, we're winning five to three. Correct. And we'll take five to three all day long. Yep. And so he gave up a ton of goals because their team said, you know what? Let's play a style that takes advantage of our one of our better pieces. Now, yeah, of course, right. they had Gretzky. Yeah, yeah. Helpful, you know, but... <laughs> I think that there's something to be said about if you're going to put all this faith into Robin Leonard, into now Alec Martinez, play a style that allows them to utilize their skills to clean up your mistakes. And the reason you're making mistakes is because you're taking risks and you're being a team that is unstoppable when they're doing it right. And if it goes wrong, clean it up, Panda. Panda yeah and he might he yeah. probably will probably will
0: he's I, I, very good, yeah, and, and the defense in front of him good you, take take those chances you 're right, Edmonton won so many games eight to five they they did, they didn 't care what what they
1: gave up and it, and it kind of like another piece of it makes me wonder, if you think really back to how the golden Knights gave up goals this season, most of the time, and really the one that jumps out more than anything is the one that ended the season, mm-hmm. it was usually just somebody being slightly out of place that led to a two-on-one mm-hmm. and they gave up a ton of those goals it was yeah. like we could always point to the mistake mm-hmm. th- and the goalies were not cleaning up the mistakes as often and i wonder if that's because they're not seeing as many of them
0: well, that's fair that's fair if you if you, if you give you a lot of practice at something you become good at. well and
1: also the golden knights weren't Generating enough on the other side. Like if you're telling me it's going to take one mistake because we're, they, they were trying to play a mistake-free style of hockey, and when you when you make one, that could be enough. They're playing a soccer game rather than a basketball yeah, game. No, basically,
0: I, I, I get it. And and but DeBoer likes the defense to jump in to the offensive play. A lot of times it was bad pinches. That got you the the see odd man rushes back the, the other more, way.
1: The more I dug into how the defense was really activating, he likes them carrying the puck out. He likes them to be a part of the rush, but there's always support. If the def- if if Shea Theodore carries the puck out as the center, because he's farther up the ice than the center, Mm -hmm. Carlson's going to step in behind him. And what inevitably happens is either they get the rush and they score the goal... Or the puck goes in, they cycle back, and all of a sudden, Carlson's back where he should be, Theodore's back where he should be. Very rarely did you see five guys in the offensive zone and a defenseman abandon his defense, his blue line. No one comes to help, and they create a numbers advantage somewhere else on the ice. It didn't happen very often because they're not a risky style of team.
0: All right. I, it just seems to me, I, there, maybe it's, I'm just picking on the rare occasions, but that there were times... When the forward didn't cover uh, the point.
1: So at... that's more aggressive pinches to keep the play alive mm-hmm. as opposed to an attempt to score. Okay. They, their main thought was ridiculous amounts of zone time will lead to us winning. If we have forty, you know, forty minutes of zone time and they have twenty, we're gonna win. Right. That's how they played. Okay. So when the puck's along the wall and you know as a defenseman you can get there, go get it, keep it alive, punch it back in and get back there. Okay. There were times where somebody would jump up, punch it back in, it doesn't get all the way in, and now the winger hasn't covered his position, yes, that does lead to okay. a problem. And that is a lot of times that's fatigue.
0: Okay, and and then the the other thing that I think I saw a lot, and you tell me if I'm wrong. Again, we go to Theodore. He got back to too many turnovers in his own end, and I yeah. think I think it's a confidence thing. Again, Petrangelo here. Yeah,
1: I think it's a combination of confidence and and who he's playing against. Yeah, Shea's not a guy that's historically taken the hardest minutes. Right. If you look at the numbers, he actually is one of the easiest minutes of all high. You know. High usage defenseman. And I don't think that's a terrible thing. But when he gets caught in situations where he's out there against the McKinnon's and the Erickson X, not that they're the same level, but, you know, even like a Suzuki and a Caulfield, it wasn't a good option. You wanted him out there against checking lines, you wanted him out there against lesser offensive lines.
0: So I think what I saw, again, tell me he, that he was. Getting better, like the, the first two years, his, his offense has always been good. In The first two years in his own end, I'm going, oh, my God, you know, he's, he's got to get better. He's, he starts to get better at the end of year two in, in, into year three. I thought he was really progressing in his own end much, much better. And then Petrangelo comes here, and he's lost. He's a completely different guy on both ends of the ice, yep. in his own zone and offensively. There's the confidence not there. He's turning the puck over like he did in year one and year two. Yeah. Now, I just I think this again. Petrangelo's is a
1: great player. I think it was a mistake. I just don't know that you can have two elite offensive you know driving offense driving defensemen yeah, maybe not. on the same team i just don't know that it works yeah yeah and and it's like it, maybe that's just hockey All you know right. there's a lot of there's a lot of that in 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 different sports well, we
0: we thought we saw it's not working in San Jose right that, that's been a mess right. ever since Erickson got there, or, uh carlson got there um you you brought up a a little bit of a, a while ago glass um we get uh, Nolan Patrick in here now for Glass. What do you think of Nolan Patrick? What do you think you'll see from him this year for the Knights?
1: I think he's a lottery ticket, basically. You know, it, the skill's there. The mm-hmm. skill was there with, with Glass. The skill is there with Nolan Patrick. But for whatever reason, for both of them, there have been some issues on NHL ice. Nolan Patrick has shown more in his career than Cody Glass ever Mm -hmm. did at the NHL level. But Nolan Patrick also then missed a season and then came back and didn't show what he showed before, which is concerning. I think for me, having Nolan Patrick over Cody Glass is a positive. It can only be better right? because Cody Glass wasn't going to make the team. Correct. Yeah. Like that sounds harsh, but he just wasn't. So I think looking at how this can go, if he's good, awesome. You've got another option. It gives you more flexibility with Krebs. I think Howden's the same way. He was not utilized as an offensive weapon at all in New York. I think if they put him in a position where he does have a little bit of offense to his game, he'll show it. I think he can be better. But are either of them difference makers? Probably not. And how much better are they than the Nick Waz and Patrick Browns? I don't know.
0: Okay, I, I know nothing of how to. What what is his game? What what what?
1: It depends on what you look at. His game in New York was basically fourth line checking guy that was going to take, for the most part, punch one or two lines above his weight. So they liked to utilize. Fourth line against second line, fourth line against third line, to then allow Zabenajad and and you know their Kako and okay. those guys to get opportunities to play against the, the fourth line. Right. And so what inevitably happens is you end up with real low offensive zone start numbers. So you start in your own end a lot against better players than you. Okay. So your plus minus doesn't look good. Your right. Corsi doesn't look good. Diving deeper into the numbers, I think there's reason to believe that they'll, he'll be okay here. But for the most part, what is he? He's a big guy that can play center that should be basically a no replacement. Okay. All right. And will the offense be there more consistently than no Hopefully. All right. We got five
0: minutes, Ken. Let's dive into a Leonard. Oh, boy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, I
0: thank first of all, thank you for uh, putting up the the podcast with Cam and Strick. Is that yeah? The end it's of the very
1: good. I mean, they're very, very, very good when they get good interviews. Yeah.
0: All right, and and I again, I listened to it and I learned a lot, but I also am shaking my head a lot yeah. at, at at some of the answers. And it it it's not that Leonard's wrong. It's just I it, it concerns me. How do I do? How do I worry? His answers concern me. That's I, I don't. I, I don't want my goaltender concerned with all this other stuff. I'm I'm worried about that getting in the way of him on the ice. Now, him on the ice has been fine
1: throughout right, his career. Right, and I th- there is one piece of that that like I do wonder, and that is he's willing to say it. Mm-hmm. He's willing to say. I felt a negative energy when I walked on the ice in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. You know, when this tweet with the sword in the back came out, it made life a little bit harder on me. He's willing to say some of these things. Mm -hmm. It makes you wonder, like the other goalies in the league, the John Gibsons and Carey Prices and all these guys, are they feeling these same things and able to block it out as effectively as Leonard has been in the recent past? Or are they not? And because we very rarely ever hear any of it, I think most of us just assume that doesn't affect them. I but it might. You're you're right, it might. I I am of
0: that opinion that it that, they they probably feel some of this stuff. I don't think they feel all the things that Leonard feels.
1: I would I, probably, I would agree with you. All right, I. I think he's more in tune with his own thoughts than most players are, and that's because he's taught himself and right. has learned how to put himself in a position like that. I think he is, and in many ways that can be helpful. But I do think that can also hurt you.
0: I, yeah, see, I, I I agree with that. I I think it goes both ways, and I, and I. My concern is when it goes the way we don't want it to go, it's worse than with a Gibson or, you know, who, who pick your goaltender. Uh, when when they have a bad day, it doesn't go as far south as it will go with Leonard.
1: I think it's a fair thing to wonder. I think it's a, something that's going to have to be proven. Uh, thus far in his Golden Knights career in the playoffs, there really haven't been much... Of bad days. There was one. And really, it was pretty easy for most of us, myself included, to say, I don't care who was in the goal that night. Mm-hmm. They were losing. Yeah. Maybe it's not 7-1, but I don't care. Yeah. you know. And I think he could probably have put that away. Then he, of course, there's an injury in that game, and we don't really know what that was or what happened there. So how that gets portrayed, I don't fully know. But I think at this point, while I think I would make the argument your concern is fair, I can also make the argument that the on ice performance has been so good that until that crops up and shows itself, there's no reason to be ner- I mean, I have to say, nervous. Like, there's no reason to mold your team around that concern.
0: It, it, it's funny. The, the, the reason that Leonard is the number one guy now is that flurry makes DeBoer nervous. Yeah, it's
1: like risk assessment. Yeah.
0: And yet, for me, and I don't. I, most of the people I talk to seem to feel this way. Leonard makes us nervous.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a weird dynamic in that. It is. It is. And and I think there there's a stylistic difference that clearly. I, I think that a lot of people in Vegas, and I think a lot of hockey fans prefer the style of Marc-Andre Fleury. It reminds me of UFC. Most people like boxers. Mm -hmm. I want the guy that kicks the other dude in the head or punches (laughs) and knocks the guy out as opposed to roll around on the ground with him for four minutes and then choke him. And I didn't even see how he choked him. That's the difference here. He's a much different style. And I can understand if you're DeBoer saying... The style of defense we play. I just need you to stop all the easy ones. Yeah,
0: and you made a good point last time you were on. DeBoer is standing on the other in the other coaching watch, watching Flurry give up five goals uh, after the bad call.
1: Yeah, which and and two of them were his fault.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true.
1: You know, and then the overtime one was his fault. That's true. But that, that to me, that's so narrow. That's yeah, but- such a narrow thought of like. Don't you remember the last six games of this series? Don't you remember last season, all of the regular season, the first couple of games, the following season? Like, this dude's been smoking you for years, man. Like, a couple goals after a wacky call in a game seven. Like, don't let that cloud everything. But that's how I think a lot of people's minds work.
0: Or maybe there was something off ice between DeBoer and Fleury. That ended in a bloody sword.
1: I was going to say, it's almost like somebody's tweeted a picture of a sword. But then he comes out and denies that.
0: Well, okay, okay, but we've heard plenty of things denied over there at City National. I hear you, but
1: I'm just, you know, like, I will will present all the information, and then I'll tell you that I don't buy it. But to, to be fair, the information is presented. It's in a Justin Emerson article that... Pete DeBoer said, "No, they, I look at how I played him. There's no reason to think Leonard was my guy. Like I played this guy throughout the entire postseason, Game Seven of Round One. I don't, I don't think there's a clearer one than that.
0: That's it's, it's all true. I, I I just have this horrific feeling that this is not going to end well here with Leonard. I I just that that's my feeling. I hope I'm wrong.
1: How correctable is it if that is the case?" I think it's fairly correctable. I would agree. We,
0: yeah, we, we. How many goaltenders were available this year yeah, in the offseason? So like I guess, ten. I guess right?
1: that that kind of leads me to that same risk assessment question. and,
0: that, I, and that's fair. If 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 it's it, a high reward, it's a pretty
1: it, darn high reward. He's a veteran, a quality guy.
0: That's true. The, the the one issue, you can bring a guy in. that That's not going to be a problem. The one issue is how do you get rid of Leonard? Or do you just have to buy him out and eat it?
1: That I don't know. Yeah. That is that, And that depends on how poorly it were to go. And through three years, there's no reason to believe that he would ever become untradeable.
0: Ken Bolke, Vegas. Thanks very much for stopping by. Follow him on Twitter, at Sinbin. And please sign up for Binball. Yes. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yes. You can find out all about that, again, at sinbin.vegas. Have a good afternoon, everybody. I'll be back tomorrow.